Welcome to the FujiSM podcast. I'm Stefan Griffin, a fifth year medical student at the University of Birmingham and a member of the BGSM editorial team. This podcast is again part two of the concussion special with Dr. Simon Kemp, Dr. Matthew Cross and Dr. Mike England. In the last podcast we discussed about concussion in rugby and touched upon some of the research and how that's being applied in rugby by the Rugby Football Union, the RFU. So going into the first question, um, at the recent Rugby Science Network at the University of Bath, um, Matt, you mentioned some research looking into the relationship between the speed of removal and the eventual recovery, um, some potentially quite powerful research. Um, do you mind just elaborating on that as well? Yeah, sure, no problem. So. Um, there's been research done recently in other sports, so one study by Askin, around 100 um, university or college athletes in America, that suggests that players who are immediately removed from play and are subsequently diagnosed with concussion recover and return to play significantly quicker, so five days quicker on average in that particular study that I mentioned, um, than those that were not immediately removed. Um, so I guess potentially the, the messaging is, is really important for all sports because staff and players can start to understand the importance of early um, identification and early removal and the impact that that has on player recovery. And, and that's something that informs the education modules that we've developed for the professional community game. Um, I guess one of the other key drivers is this um, promotion of the fact that your concussed player is unlikely to be as effective and that as a coach you're much better to have um, a fully fit player on the field, even if they're your second or third pick, pick in that position, than persisting with somebody who may have sustained a head injury. And I think picking up on Simon's point earlier, that you know, seeing how this is um, developed and demonstrating the behaviours at, at the shot window of the game, definitely feeds down into the schools and, and youth game and the amateur game, in terms of that type of evidence can feed into our discussions with schools coaches and get them to understand the rationale behind the guidance that we're giving because often what we find is when you've got the evidence there to back it up that behavior change starts to shift quicker um, where you lack that evidence it's a harder story to sort of persuade people to follow you so again that's a, a good example of how that that hard evidence developed at the top end of the game can feed through to that really important messaging at the lower end of the game and, I mean, just on that, um, it's really important that research drives policy. And most of the concussion research being done at the UK at the moment is relatively small scale compared to what we see being done around the world and particularly in the States. Um, so Mike and I are very excited to be collaborating with the Football Association and the Drake Foundation and we'll be hosting the first sports concussion research meeting here in the UK on November the 23rd, where we'll look to bring together sporting governing bodies, sporting organisations and academic units to outline what research is being done, but looking to explore how we can better identify the key research questions and make universities aware of them, identify the appropriate cohorts, so which players are available with their consent to be studied, and how can we access the funding that will be needed for really large-scale studies that will enable some of the key questions to be answered. Okay, well I think we, we'll look forward to the outcome and look forward to hearing about, um, you know, some, of the, some of the findings from that meeting. What else are you concentrating on the RFU in terms of um, concussion or, th or throughout the game? Um, so. 
so I guess as part of our joined up approach, we're continuing to monitor risk. So we have a professional rugby injury surveillance project. Um, we have a community rugby injury surveillance project and a schools project. So we're monitoring risk. Um, we want to try and get a better handle on physiological and clinical recovery. So there's a very exciting project um, that's a collaboration between Saracens, University College London and the Drake Foundation where we're looking to develop new biomarkers in blood and urine that may correlate with the severity of concussive and subconcussive head impacts. We're looking to develop more objective tools to measure head impacts in rugby union and we're looking to see some of the cognitive and radiological changes associated with the spectrum of head injury. This was a project that started with Saracens but in this season we've got another 120 premiership and championship players who've come into the study and agreed to be followed up if they sustain a head injury. So that's an exciting development. The other thing that I'm excited about is we struggle at the moment within rugby to be able to explain or to give a sense of the potential long-term risk of concussive head injury in rugby on brain and physical health. Um, there have been a number of small studies um, done, by, done in New Zealand, done by the French, and recently published by the Glasgow Group. Um, but we will be launching with the London School of Hygiene and Tropical Medicine and University College London um, and Oxford University, a study of 220 former high-level players over the age of 50 the majority of whom are ex-England internationals, and they will be coming in for a face-to-face -face assessment of cognitive and physical health and look to see if we can get some sense as to whether there is a long-term problem on cognitive and physical health with playing rugby and what the magnitude of that problem might be. And Matt and I are interviewing with those universities on Thursday for the research assistant, and the players will be contacted they've already agreed to be part of the study for their assessments in the next few months. I mean, again, just one, one other area that, we're, we're, again, if you look at the sort of injury prevention mo models um, out there in sport, you know, you've got to move round, round the circle on this. And as, as Simon said, we've done the surveillance, we're looking at some, some of the long-term problems. The other area that is definitely going to be a start to be a focus for us, um, there's work going on in this area already, and we're going to be taking this forward, is in the area of prevention. Um, and there's some work being done at the professional end of the game, um, but also at, at the amateur and, and schools game, uh, when we've been looking at things like physical literacy. Does that affect your injury risk overall? Does that affect your concussion risk? Um, and we're just in the analysis stage of that, where we've been following 32 schools. And fairly unique study, and it's a, it's a randomised controlled trial of an intervention study in a youth sport environment on a large scale, which, again, almost unique in sport. Um, and the other aspect that we're taking forward is looking at video analysis alongside the injury surveillance. So again, similar methodology that's done at the top end of the game applied at the youth end of the game and to dig into what are the mechanisms for head impacts, particularly in the tackle, um, and how we take those forward into prevention initiatives. So, you know, look, I guess where I believe we've got to within rugby in England is um, real progress about delivering the four R's. Um, real progress with awareness and better identification of concussive events at the professional development um, and community games. Our challenge now, I think, 
is around concussion prevention. So how do we look to reduce the incidence of concussion without fundamentally changing the nature of the sport? Um, and you know, Mike and I both feel that that's going to be rugby's major priority for the next four years. So one of the things we've been applying um, to our thinking around the prevention aspect of this is applying a traditional way of, of managing risk, which has been developed over many years in sort of other industries. Um, and if you take that hierarchy of controls, at the top end of that is the removing exposure. Um, and of course, where we're working on that is promoting much more strongly now the sort of non-contact variants of the game um, and encouraging schools to look at applying different variants of the game across their landscape um, so you can have conditioned games and play touch or tag rugby at whatever age it's not restricted to any particular age group um, and the new rules of play that we've developed um, and launched this season start to introduce that that landscape within the youth game um, below that, you can reduce the exposure, so you might change the laws, such as lowering the height of the tackle, um, or introducing other aspects about types of tackle that might be allowed at different, uh, different levels of the game. Um, the key part of that is also the application of those laws by, by match officials, obviously. Um, below that sits protective equipment. Again, one of the issues at the moment is there's no really effective protective equipment. Yeah, there's. Uh, studies out there that show that head guards and gum shields do not prevent concussion, they don't protect you. And then moving down the hierarchy then into sort of the training and education aspect, and that again is where we've been doing a lot of work across the game with coaches and match officials, um, both at the top end of the game and the community end of the game, um, in educating about you know, their role in the management and recognition of concussion, um, and again how to manage it. At the bottom end of this is the sort of medical piece, which is the, the management of and rehabilitation and return to play. Um, and again, a lot of work, as Simon's already described, going into that, and as Matt has picked up in the research, how that feeds into that aspect. And that's the hierarchy that we're applying to our thinking around the game. Um, and across all of that, what you obviously need to do is monitor the application of those and continue that injury surveillance so you can keep that measurement going of the size of the problem and whether your, your interventions are having, a, having an effect. So Matt and I have had the good fortune to collaborate with Ross Tucker and Martin Raftery from World Rugby on a study of tackles that led into to head injury events. And I know Ross has talked about this, but when you consider the, the risk in rugby around head injury events, it's principally in the tackle and a third of the risk is with the ball carrier and two-thirds with the tackler or tacklers. Um, and it will be very interesting to continue to work with World Rugby on how that understanding actually translates into a prevention strategy. Because it's not straightforward. So by reducing the height of the tackle that currently is the line of the shoulder, you're likely to be preventing the risk of head injury to the ball carrier. But you need to understand that any change in law can bring other risk. And since the majority of tackles involve more than one tackler, by reducing the height of the tackle on the ball carrier, you may be reducing the space for two other tacklers to make the tackle and increasing their risk of head contact on the bony parts of the ball carrier. So it's a really challenging um, piece of injury prevention to be done this, but absolutely critical that the game continues to push on with it.
Okay, well, it sounds like you guys have got your work cut out over the, ne over the next few years, I think that's fair to say. Um, and it's just quite inspiring to hear, you know, not only the work going in the, at the grassroots level, um, but also it's great to hear, you know, of, of leading teams like Saracens, you know, being willing to collaborate with yourselves really for the, you know, for the welfare, so it does feed down to the grassroots. Um, it wouldn't be a concussion podcast without discussing the upcoming Berlin conference. Um, at the end of the month. So, um, from the, from the three of you, what are you what are you most looking forward to, and what developments do you think we can expect to hear about? Um, so, it's always interesting to hear how other sports have developed their processes. Um, it's also really useful to get and hear a critical summary of the research. Um, I'm very interested in hearing more about recovery and the GRTP. Does it need to be more active? Does it need to be extended? I'm really excited to potentially to hearing Matt present some of his research on the podium, along with some of the other rugby research. And it's always good to meet old friends and um, and make new ones. Yes, I think I mean this meeting is so important um, both for sport and I think for me what's, what's most exciting about this this next one is the extension of, to the number of experts they're bringing in from outside of sport. And that's for me, is one of the most interesting elements of this particular conference coming up. There are certainly more invitees from outside of sport. And because of the growth in traumatic brain injury and concussion research around the world, um, there are more and more you know, big research groups starting to look at some of the really challenging questions in this field. And to hear from them in that setting, I think, for me, is probably going to be one of the highlights. Yeah, I think for me, um, if I had to pick one thing, it would be um, anything looking around the GRTP, the content and duration of that, following on from the from the research and the work that we've done that I that I mentioned earlier. Um, but that would, yeah, that would be the standout thing for me, and how how that gets discussed and the work going on in that area from other sports and and around the globe. Okay, and I'm, I'm I think everyone's looking forward to you know to, to hearing the the social media highlights and then the the eventual consensus statement. Um, so thank you to the three of you for contributing to this podcast. Really appreciate it. It's great to hear all the work going on in the RFU. So really appreciate your time. Um, listeners, as, as has already been mentioned, all the links to any papers um, mentioned um, will be put in the biography. Um, you've been listening to a BJSM podcast about concussion with me, Stefan Griffin, Dr. Simon Kemp, Dr. Mike England and Dr. Matthew Cross. We look forward to catching up with you again soon. Have a great day.